0: good morning everybody on my mirror in my bathroom over the years i've always put quotes or bible verses or things that mean something to me and of course i put it on there to just remind me uh, of what is stirring in me and i have right now on my uh, bathroom mirror do what makes you strong in christ Do what makes you strong in Christ. And that is a message to myself, okay? And I I make a point every day to look at it. And you know as well as I do, I know what I need to do to make myself strong in Christ. And I believe you know what you need to do. I believe you're doing it right now this morning. When you're in church and you're hearing the word of God and we worship together, you are strengthening yourself, and every morning I get up and I have coffee with Jesus and I take a little time uh, in my day to, to visit with him, to spend time with him before I start my day. And here's what I have found out. Every time I'm with God, every time I spend time with Jesus Christ, I'm always encouraged, I'm always strengthened. It makes my problems look smaller and it makes my God look bigger. And then what it stirs in me is a hunger. Okay, it stirs a hunger in me for more. Here's what I know. The more you'll draw near to God, the more he'll draw near to you, and it will stir a hunger and a thirst in you for the things of God. That, that's a very powerful question to ask right here, right now. What are you hungry for? Okay, what, when you think about your life, what are you hungry for? Well, I'm hungry for God, and I have other things in my life, and I'm not saying that I don't, but I found that as I spend time with him, I want more. I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Think about how every single week we gather in this place to look into God's Word and to study the Bible. Uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but the Bible is about 2,700 years old. The story, the Christmas story, is about 2,000 years old. And I think it's amazing how we gather to look at a story that has stood the test of time, and it's a 2,000-year-old story. My family and I, we always vacation in Red River and we take a day out and we go to Taos, New Mexico for the day. And if you've ever been to Taos, you know they have the old square. And then uh, it's, we always enjoy going there. And when I was a child, we would go there and we would always eat out and we would eat Mexican food there uh, with my parents. So I have a lot of memories. Well, around the corner from the square is a shopping center called the John Dunn Shops. And it's just a little shopping area, but it's not like here, of course. Uh, There's trees and grass and benches, and I I love going there and I love wandering around there. And there's a little coffee shop there. Well, if you know anything about Taos, Taos is kind of a new agey kind of place, and and so at this little center, there'll be somebody playing music and singing, and they'll have their can out for uh, you know donations. Uh, There there can be different people that live in West Texas, and occasionally there'll be somebody there who is talking about maybe their faith or their religion. And one time we were there. And there was a young man sitting in the grass, and he had this uh, fabric out, and it looked like a checkerboard. It wasn't a checkerboard, but it looked like a piece of cloth like that, and he had some stones on it. And, uh, you know, me being the quiet, shy person that I am, uh, I had to find out what he was doing, right? So uh, my family always threatens they're going to get me a shock collar, okay? Because I wander off, and they get lost, okay? Okay. Did you notice I didn't say I get lost? They get lost. Okay. So I go up to this young man, and I'm like, hey, what, do you, you know, what are you doing? And he starts telling me about his, his new age religion, and he says, I study an ancient text that's several thousand years old. And I said, oh, my gosh, I do, too. I study a text that's over 2,700 years old. And the leader of this group that I follow predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection. And when anybody can predict that they're going to die and come back alive, I'm in, right? And so I said that, and he said, oh, uh, what, what do you follow? And I said, the Bible, Well, he wanted no more to do with me, right? He wanted, and I I wasn't picking on him and I wasn't trying to be hateful or rude. But as soon as I talked to him about Jesus Christ, uh, at that moment in that time, and I believe I sowed some seed, amen. Uh, but at that time, he wasn't interested. All right. I want to read to you this morning out of this ancient text. Okay, And I want to read to you about what this book that we follow is supposed to be doing for us. And I'm going to read out of the book of John, John uh, chapter 20, verse 30, out of the NIV. And it's going to be up on the screen as it already is. Listen to what this says. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, talking about the Bible. And it could also be talking about the book of John. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, now I want you to see something really powerful. Okay, this is, I, I don't know about you, but this amazes me. Okay, it says that as we read the Bible, what's supposed to happen? Well, it's supposed to make us believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, And that by believing in him, we may have life. Now, here's the thing. Anytime you read your Bible, see, I get up in the morning and I read my Bible. Well, anytime you read your Bible, you're strengthening your faith. So if you're reading the Gospels, if you're reading the New Testament, if you're reading Psalms, if you're reading Proverbs, if you're reading Genesis, it doesn't matter where you read. Anytime you read the Word of God, it strengthens your faith. It makes your problems smaller. It makes your God bigger. And so what this verse says is that anytime, whether these next three weeks, we're going to take some time and look at the story of the birth of Jesus. What's it supposed to do? Well, it says right here. Here that it's gonna cause you and I to believe what? Well, that Jesus is the Messiah. And I believe that. And I know probably all of you believe it. I also believe he's the Son of God. And I know that you believe it. And by believing, that we can have eternal life. I tell the kids and power kids we do this all the time. There's one villain in the Bible, and they say back, the devil! Let's try it. Don't y'all think we should try it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's one villain in the Bible. The The kids have y'all blown out of the water, right? Then, then I say there's one hero in the Bible, and it's Jesus. And then I say there's one message in the Bible, and it's that Jesus saves. So, anytime you read the Word of God, what's it supposed to do? It's supposed to cause you to believe, and because you believe, you can have eternal life. Now, of course, it's the Christmas season. Today starts Advent, and Advent goes through December 24th. And what Advent means is coming. It means to anticipate coming. You and I live in between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. Yeah, we live in between those two events. Sometimes we can think, oh, Jesus isn't coming. Or, I mean, we've, we can be disheartened. I can be disheartened. You know, when something doesn't go your way, you think, Jesus, please Come. My truck payment is due. Would you please come, right? We, we can feel that way. All of us can feel that way. But we live in between those two events. And what Advent is supposed to do to us is stir that anticipation, stir our hearts, much like a child waiting for Christmas. Do you remember when you were a child how slow Christmas was? That it took forever to get here. Now, as an adult, it goes by like a speeding bullet, okay? As an adult, it flies by. But I can remember as a child, <clears throat> that anticipation in my soul. And my brother and I decided that we were going to sleep in the living room one year, and we're going to catch Santa, okay? Okay? And I don't know if any of y'all have done that before, okay? But I can remember the house I grew up in, and my parents had a small two-bedroom home, and my mother had a green felt couch with paisley print on it. I can see it in my head as clear as day. If I close my eyes, I can even smell it, okay? And so my brother and I decided we'd spend the night on the couch in our parents' living room, and then when Santa came, we would catch him. Well, we couldn't even go to sleep. We were so anticipating. Finally, we drifted off to sleep. We woke up the next morning. My brother had a new green Stingray bicycle. Remember Stingray bicycles? You can buy them online for about $1,000. And then I got a stereo from Sears and Roebuck. I had that stereo for 20 years, but we didn't catch Santa. Somehow he slipped in put everything down, and got away, but we had that anticipation. All right, here's what I want you to see this morning. We're going to take, with the few minutes that I have left, I'm going to read you the story about the birth of John the Baptist. Why are you talking about John the Baptist? Because God gave John the Baptist the job of preparing the way for Jesus' birth. He gave him the job of getting the people ready to receive Jesus. Now, not at his birth, but when he comes into his ministry. Why does that matter to you today? Because I believe God has given you and I the job to prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus. Now, don't miss that. I so want you to get this in your heart. Just like God used John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus, he wants to use us to prepare the way for Jesus. Now, can I just ask you a question? Has your faith in Christ changed your life? Can you look at your life and see honest, genuine change Are there things that you used to do that you don't do anymore? Are there sins that used to hang on to you, but they don't hang on to you anymore? Are you on this journey where your life is being changed? Then my second question is, is your faith changing anybody around you? In your family and it's your job, is your faith changing those around you? Because, you see, you and I have been called to lead the way for the second coming of Christ. Listen, we're having Christmas Eve at the high school. Kurt already said that. And, you know, that building will hold about 1,400 people. So what, why are we doing that, Pastor? Well, we're doing it so just like what Kurt said, you can bring your family, you can prepare the way, you can put a card in their hand, you can say, hey, come over on Christmas Eve and come to church, and you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna give them the good news of the gospel. And they're going to find out what I just read to you. They're going to hear the words of Jesus, and they're going to get a chance to believe he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, and by believing, they'll have eternal life. So we've been given the same job that John the Baptist had. Now, let me read to you this morning. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 1, and I've got I've got a little time, and I just want to read you this and listen to what it says. Luke 1 verse 1 in the NIV Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself, the author, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things that have been taught. Now, stop right there. I I don't know about you, but I love that. You know what it says? It says that the people who wrote these books talked to those people who were eyewitnesses of what happened. They got an eyewitness account, almost like a detective or a policeman. Hey, what did Jesus say? Hey, what did Jesus do? Hey, what happened? Tell me about it. Well, there were people who were alive and who were eyewitnesses. Are you with me? Then it says the author of Luke did a thorough investigation. Don't you love that? So they interviewed eyewitnesses. All right, imagine something happening among us as a body. I don't know, and I'm not going to say anything bad or otherwise, but something happens, and we have to all be interviewed. What did you see? What did you hear? What, what did you experience? Then after that, this person does their own investigation of what happened. That's how the Bible was written you can trust the word of God. You see, it's not just a bunch of words put together with, by people who maybe were crazy or who, who, who didn't know what they were doing. You can trust God's word. It was investigated. It, it was, the people were interviewed, and then God spoke to them, and they wrote it down. Are you with me? All right, let me keep reading. I, that encourages me. I don't know if it does you. What about Theophilus? I don't know a thing about Theophilus, all right? We don't care about him, right? <clears throat> Listen to verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. Stop right there. How many of y'all in here know Jesus is your Savior and you know heaven is your home? Okay, you are righteous in the sight of God. Is that not true? The word of God says you have right standing with him. You not only have the peace of God, but you have peace with God. And those are two valuable things to have. Amen. So Zachariah is not the only righteous person. We're righteous too. I just wanted to throw that out at you. It says that he observed the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go to the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Imagine an angel appearing right here this morning. We would be startled, would we not? And we would be gripped with fear. It's probably not some little fat guy with a heart, right? Right, because that wouldn't startle you or grip you with fear. Okay, it's some kind of being that, okay, that we can't preach on that, I don't have time. Okay, the angel said to him, don't be afraid. I love that. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Stop right there. Oh, my gosh. Can I just say something? Righteous ones, your prayers are being heard. Your prayers are being heard. The devil wants to attack you and tell you they're not being heard. The Scripture says they are being heard. Amen? Your father's ears are open to you. Let me keep reading. Don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you'll call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. All right, that's one of the things that you and I are supposed to be doing as Christians preparing and making people ready for the return of the Lord by letting your light shine. Amen. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Two things I want you to see in this that are so amazing. There's only four angels in the Bible that have names. There's all kinds of encounters in the Bible with angels, but only four have names. Two are good, two are evil. The two good ones, of course, are Michael and Gabriel. The two evil ones, of course, are Lucifer. He was a fallen angel, is a fallen angel. And the other one is Apollyon. And he's an angel who's in hell right now. And during the tribulation period, he's going to be released from hell with a demon army. So there's only four angels mentioned in the Bible by name. And one of them is Gabriel. Gabriel. And Gabriel tells him, I stand before God, and I've come to give you a promise. And then it says that he doubts the promise. So the angel tells him, I'm not going to let you talk. Don't miss this. So you can't abort this miracle with your mouth. Your wife's going to have a baby in her old age, but if I let you talk, you'll abort it. Now, I know that's strong language, and I know maybe that word could be offensive to you, but the point is, God wants to birth miracles in us. He wants to birth miracles in you, and some of us, he needs to shut our mouth. I can be guilty of it, too. Are you with me? And he says, because of this, I'm going to shut your mouth. Here's another interesting thought about Gabriel. If you'll go back to the story of Daniel, which happened 500 years before this encounter with Zechariah, the angel Gabriel was there, and he talked to Daniel. Now, I know you think, hey, we all know angels are eternal. Do you really? Do you really? really? It blows my mind to think about that Gabriel was with Daniel 500 years later. He's with Zechariah. Then a few months later, he's with Mary. Does that mess up your head like it does mine? Y'all are probably just way smarter than me, right? <clears throat> but it just amazes me that this eternal spiritual being, this angel, was five hundred years ago with Daniel, and now he's with Zechariah. Just I had to throw that in. All right, I, I told you I have coffee with Jesus. I think too much. <clears throat> Listen to this. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered when he's why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak. And they realized he'd seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs, and they and, and excuse me, and remained unable to speak. He came out. Here's what he did. <laughs> he couldn't talk, and he's trying to describe this angel. He didn't do this. No, he didn't do that. I can guarantee he did this. Can you imagine trying to do, it's almost like a game, right? What's a charades or something? And he's trying to explain to him what he saw, but he couldn't talk. Now listen to this. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. There's the miracle. And for five months, she remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Then the next sentence starts the story with the birth of Jesus. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, same angel, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I love that. His kingdom will never end, and you and I are citizens of that kingdom. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, May your word to me be fulfilled, and the angel left her. Now, there's more I want to say this morning, but I'm out of time. But what I want you to see in this story is how God used Elizabeth, God used Mary, God used John the Baptist, God used Jesus. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you. You know, I was going to say this at the beginning of the service, and I honestly forgot. And I, from this time forward until Christmas, can I just encourage you when you see people, say, Merry Christmas. Just just say Merry Christmas. Instead of see you later, say Merry Christmas. And let's all of us be Christmas warriors. Amen. And until December 25th, we're telling everybody everywhere we go Merry Christmas. We have a smile on our face. And then we're saying, hey, man, you ought to come with me to my Christmas Eve service. You ought to come and see what God's doing. You ought to come and see how he's changed my life. A lot of times we don't say anything because we're afraid. And we're afraid we don't know enough. I don't have enough Bible memorized. I don't know enough doctrine. What if, what if people talk me out of it? But listen, people can't take your testimony. They can't take your testimony. Hey, I was having a bad time and Jesus changed my life. Hey, I've got mountains in my life, but my Jesus is bigger. Hey, uh, we've had some financial problems, but God helped us. Hey, I was lost and didn't know which direction to go in my life, and I found Jesus. You with me? You see, people can't take that away from you. And you say, hey, I'm, in the, I'm swimming in the river of life. Come on in, the water's fine. Watch out for Rusty and Lance, okay, watch out. Don't get close to those two guys. But other than that, come on in, the water's fine, amen? Amen, all right, y'all stand up and let's pray. <clears throat> Praise God, Father, I love you. I'm so thankful for the Christmas season. I'm so thankful for the beginning of Advent that our hearts would be turned towards you. And, Father, this next few days, these next few weeks in December, that, Father God, we would be a light to our neighbors. We'd be a light to our family. Father, I want to pray for the Christmas Eve service that's going to be on December 24th. And, Father, I pray you would use us to reach our loved ones, to reach our neighbors, to invite them to that service so that they can hear the gospel. And that, Father God, you move on our lives. You allow our faith to touch those around us. You allow our light to shine. And that we're not quiet. We don't go about our day and not say anything, but we're inviting, we're encouraging, we're handing a card to somebody because your grace is on that service. And that we'll see lives change. We'll see people believe we'll see people receive eternal life. Father God, I'm incredibly thankful for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love you. You guys go and have a great rest of your weekend.